This message is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Ancient Faith for Today's World. October 3rd, 2021. James 4, verses 7 to 12. Did you catch that seemingly out-of-place comment that we read last Sunday in our worship? It's from Numbers chapter 12. See, Moses' sister and brother are complaining against Moses that Moses would be in a position of leadership and they would be left in the background. So they were filled with envy and complained. And then you see that seemingly out of place comment. It says, Now Moses was more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Moses wrote the book of Numbers. Just let, let that sink in for a little bit. Of course, granted, someone like Joshua or maybe a scribe might have added that comment in regarding Moses. But still, Moses wrote the book of Numbers. Moses is the most humble man who ever lived. I don't dispute that comment, but it does make you think, doesn't it? What does it mean to be humble? Well, today we find the answer as we turn to, once again, the letter by James. And there James explains for us that as we are humble, we are humble under God and with our neighbor. And we see that the humble person doesn't either lift themselves up or tear others down, but lets God do all the lifting. James sets the stage for us regarding humility as he says, quoting from the book of Proverbs, God opposes, opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We know how true that is. If God is the one who sets the stage, God is the one who makes sure that the things are in balance, that the, the proud in this world are teared down and the lowly are lifted up, we certainly want to be humble. Well, how's that done? James says here, submit yourselves to God. Now, to submit yourself to God means to get rid of your own desires and yield to your God. To say along with Jesus as he taught us in the Lord's Prayer, Father, your will be done, not mine. And when it comes to a clash of wills between what God desires and what we desire, to say, your will is better, God. I know it's better. See, the, the Christian who does this, submitting to God, will recognize that whatever God might say is good. And so they lower themselves before him. Submitting to God also means that we resist our enemy. The devil would have us think that it's impossible for us to submit to God. You know, that was true before we came to faith. The person who is without Christ is by nature an enemy of God and cannot submit to God's will. They live in opposition to God as they serve the devil and are slaves to sin. But brothers and sisters, James reminds us how that is not true anymore for us who are in Christ. You have been set free from the control of this world, your own sinful flesh, and our enemy, the devil. The devil is not your master. In fact, James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
The devil wants us to think it's impossible to resist temptation, that we must succumb. And yes, for the believer, there will be a struggle. But it's not impossible. Not for those who are in Christ, who are now freed from sin and from the devil's control, and who belong to Jesus and can now say no to the devil. The devil's lies would have us believe that it's not good to submit to God. That when God tells us to gather for worship on a regular basis, the devil's lies say, well, it's not really worth your time. Why would you do that? And the devil would also lead us to think that you don't need to really honor those in authority. They don't deserve it. Go ahead, mock them. And the devil would also have us look at those around us who are in pain or suffering and say, they brought that on themselves. It's not your problem. You don't have to help them. And the devil would also have us turn aside from our God. And instead of having us honor the gift of marriage, the devil would have us as husbands and wives to have an impure life in thoughts and words. The devil would say, turn to those fantasy novels. Turn to that pornography because then you'll be happy. It's a lie. Resist the devil's lies and temptations. And he will flee from you. Part of our life of humility is yielding to God and resisting the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh. James goes on as he describes the life of humility. Come near to God. And he will come near to you. That is, the believer can approach the very presence of God. And God promises that he also will be near to you. We come near to God as we gather in his name. And Jesus says, wherever two or three gather in his name, there he is with them. Come near to God as you gather around the gospel in word and sacrament. Come near to God as you come to his table And when you come to his table, he says, this is my body and blood, the new covenant given for you. God comes near to you in word and sacrament. Come near to God as you honor the sacrament of baptism. When the believer pours out that water and speaks the name of their triune God, he is near as he pours out his spirit. Come near to God. Come near to him as you gather around the gospel in word and sacrament. And yes, he will come near to you. But of course, how can we come near to God? How dare we approach the presence of a holy God? How can we say there's a place at his table for us? How do we know God will come near to a sinner? Well, James describes the way that we are to come near our God. He says, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn, And weep. Let your laughter be changed into mourning and your joy into gloom. Now certainly the Christian is filled with joy in the presence of God and with his promises, but never filled with laughter or joy regarding sin. The way that we come near to God, James describes, is through repentance. Grieving and sorrow over the sin that we've caused, the sin that we've committed against our God and against our neighbor. He says, let your laughter be changed to mourning. Regarding sin, we view it as something which we are very much humbled and we come in sorrow and grief before our God. It is through repentance 
that we draw near to God and come before his house. That's what you do in your, your daily meditation in God's word. And that's what you do as God's people as you gather in his house. Together here at Rock of Ages, we say, Lord, I've sinned against you and I'm not longer worthy to be called your child. James says, you want to be humble? Be humble before God. Come before him, but come before him in humility and repentance and faith. That's a hard thing to do, but take heart. James gives us the very reason we have the courage to come before our God in such lowliness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. As we come near to our God, and we come in such lowliness, we know our God will lift us up. And we know he does this. We could never lift ourselves up. There are those who will try to make themselves better and boast of themselves. And they'll follow the devil's schemes and lies that they can build themselves up. That they can play around with sin and it will bring a better life. And they'll find if they don't let God carry that load and that weight, it will catch up to them. When they are brought down to the depths of the grave, it will be too late. And the crushing, heavy weight and guilt of sin will come down on them. God will lift them up. But he will lift them up from their grave so that they will face their judgment. And instead of letting God carry their load and letting the God of mercy lift them up, they will be given the condemnation and the weight of their sin and everlasting punishment. Because they refuse to submit to God, they will, in the end, submit to his justice. That's a heavy weight to bear. But James doesn't say we lift ourselves up. He says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. That's what our God does. He did lift us up. You know, this is very true that God, the Lord himself, lifts us up. Jesus, the Son of God, was far more humble than even Moses was. He far surpassed Moses and every human being as the one man who truly was humble before God. Jesus, who resisted the devil perfectly. Jesus, who came near to the Father perfectly. And Jesus, who lowered himself in humility before God. He came down from the, the throne of heaven, came down and gave up the glory of heaven, and took on human flesh as a lowly man. And to humble himself, he bore a weight. Not the weight that he deserved. He was without sin. But he came to bear your weight and mine. The Lord himself came to lift us up by taking the weight of our sin off of us and bearing it himself. And he bore that eternal punishment on the cross so that we might be free and lifted up from the guilt of our sin and belong to our God. And it says here, God lifts up the lowly. We know how true that is. Jesus was the lowliest man who ever lived. But now, he is also the most exalted man who ever lived. Jesus, the true Son of God, is now raised from the dead, glorious and living. And he is above everyone. 
and he lifts us up so that we belong to him. We see now what it means to be humble, to come before God, to draw near to him in humility and repentance, trusting in his son. And it says he lifts us up. But that's only part of humility. There is humility before God, but there's also humility before our brothers and sisters and our neighbor. We read earlier in our worship how there was a man who was prophesying and the prophet Joshua came up to Moses saying, stop him. You see, Joshua couldn't take it that someone else would have the same honor that he had before God. And so Joshua tried to tear down and keep down others. Jesus' disciples struggled with the same. We read how Jesus' own disciples saw someone who was doing ministry in the name of Jesus and they put an end to it. They stopped it because that man was outside of their circles. And so in envy and jealousy, they sought to put him down. See, we can sometimes find ourselves humble before God, but then maybe failing to remain humble before our neighbor. So James tells us, do not speak against one another, brothers. See, part of the equation is to be humble before God. But the full equation is to be humble also with our brothers and sisters and our neighbor. When James says here, do not speak against one another, he's not saying don't hold others accountable for sin. The scriptures tell us we should rebuke the unrepentant sinner, that we should lead them to see their sin and in love, read them to repentance so they can come near to God. Jesus and James in his letter as well tells us to point out sin, but not to judge the repentant sinner. There's a difference between showing someone their sin so they can repent and judging the repentant sinner. Do not speak against one another, brothers. Maybe you might see a brother or a sister in the faith and you see how maybe they haven't honored authority as you have. Do you speak against them? Do you consider yourself better? Maybe you see a brother or sister who isn't coming to regular worship and Bible study quite as well as you. You humble yourself before God when you come to worship. Do you judge your neighbor because they don't meet the same standard in their struggle to resist the devil and in their struggle as they turn to God humbly in repentance? And maybe you might say, I help the poor. I help those around me. I know better than those who aren't doing quite as much as me. Do we judge our brothers and sisters in the faith? And yes, God calls for every husband and wife to live a pure and decent life and the unmarried to honor marriage. But does the Christian who honors their marriage look down on the one who has struggled in that sin of dishonoring marriage? Or does the Christian who has a happy, healthy marriage look down on the one whose marriage has been broken and say, there must be something wrong with them because their marriage didn't last as long as mine has? Do not speak against one another, brothers. James says, there is one lawgiver and judge. He is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? I think we know the answer to that. 
No one. I am a lowly sinner. I do not deserve to be called a child of God. I do not deserve it any more than my brothers or sisters around me. Yes, I may in humility come before God and he has lifted me up. I can rejoice that I have been raised with Christ and I now am a child of God. And I can resist the devil and flee temptation. And I can come near to God and stand in his presence in this house, receive the gift at his table in the sacrament. And yet, I am not one to judge my brother and his faith. He too has been lowered before God. My brother or sister in the faith, in humility, also has been lifted up in the same as I have by the grace of God. What does it mean to be humble? It means to no longer tear down those around us. It means to lower ourselves before our God so that he might lift us up. To, re- to live hum- in humility before our God really means to stop all the heavy lifting. The heavy lifting of trying to lift ourselves up or trying to load up a heavy weight and burden on others. But to let the Lord do the heavy lifting. The Lord who lifts up and gives grace to the humble.